Hello, this is Ross Sigworth from the Raskeller Club in San Francisco, and you're listening to No Persinium, the voice of everything immersive. Hey gang, welcome to episode 109 of the No Persinium podcast, the voice of everything immersive. I'm your host, Noah Nelson, coming to you from Los Angeles. This week on the show, the Comic-Con that was. Uh, San Diego Comic-Con was just last week, and there were a ton of what they like to call activations, uh, immersive pop-up experiences uh, put into the service of brands. Yes, brands are lords and masters and the people who uh, pay the bills of a lot of creative uh, folks. So let's not mock them too uh, heartily here. Um, it's like, Noah, behave yourself. Um, I got fresh coffee beans, everybody. I'm not going to be behaving myself today, just, just, just so you know. Uh, but first, let's get down to some family business, as it were. And let's say hi to our Patreon backers. Hi. That was uh, that was Ross's voice you heard at the start. Ross is our, our sustaining supporter. Uh, he's, he's the big gun in the no pro backer pool. Um, th- thank you so much. Like there's, there's a lot of kick-ass stuff going on uh, around the Rothskeller Club in San Francisco. Uh, Infernal Motel is one of those things. I'll talk more about that on the back end of the show. Um, the... Um, but uh, yeah, like the the guys and gals who are working out of Rathskeller, um, just just I'm impressed. I'm impressed. I'm not saying that just because Ross gives gives me a bunch of money. Um, I'd be saying it even if he wasn't giving me a bunch of money. Um, please please don't stop giving us money. Um, you you please don't stop giving us money either. You do that by going to patreon.com slash no proscenium. The latest folks to jump on this flaming wagon of death. I had a dream last night that I was part of a wagon train and I was riding shotgun and then I was attacked by a smoke vampire. But let's not talk about my dreams. Let's talk about Samantha Eden and Dory Daniels, who are the latest to jump on this flaming wagon train of awesomeness. Oh, I just hardwicked, didn't I? Uh, anyway, the point is that this, all that we do, all that we do, uh, the podcast, the newsletters, uh, the, 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 the blog posts, the, the crazy rants, uh, holding, holding everything immersive together. That's our Facebook group. Uh, all of that, um, is leavened by our Patreon backers. Uh, if there were not the Patreon backers, there would not be the show. There would stop being the blog. It's just not possible to do otherwise full stop. All right. Um, so if you want to help out, I <laughs> made it sound sad. It's great. You guys are doing amazing. We've got like over $300 a month coming in. We're, we're working towards our next milestone, um, which is, I believe, to start like getting some some fresh equipment into the mix here. Um, and milestone beyond that is to be able to start actually really, really putting some some money into paying for writers. Oh, while I've got your attention there, uh, you, you're seeing some new faces pop up at noprosinium.com. 
Uh, John Adams did a piece out of the Kansas City Fringe this week, uh, for which I am, you know, super excited uh, that uh, we got to, you know, drop something from there. That's just awesome. Um, out of Cleveland, uh, both Ben Needham, who who you've heard, whose voice you've heard on the show, and Sarah, um, Sarah, going to mess up your last name, Bogolami. I probably just messed it up. So write in and tell me how I messed it up. Uh, she's did. They did a review of uh, Cleveland's Theater Ninjas. Uh, Don't wander off, which is sounds like this hybrid. I'm going to talk about more about that again at the end of the show. Um, we got a lot to talk about, like in terms of the the, the scope of the work that's going on out there this week. Um, it's it's very exciting. Anyway, so Kansas City, Missouri. Cleveland, Ohio, San Francisco, Los Angeles, New York, Florida, blah, everywhere. Um, it's super exciting. If this stuff is going on in your town or near your town and you want to write about it and you want a platform to write about it on and uh, you, you, you enjoy the idea of like, oh, I could get a cocktail for that uh, because we pay in cocktails is what I've decided. Uh, I'll, I'll send you cocktail money. Um, the nice thing about outside of Los Angeles cocktail money is I can buy someone a lot of drinks for what one drink in LA costs. Um, the point of this is you write me Noah at no presidium.com. We, the doors are open. The doors open. You got a story you want to write. Uh, you want to, you want to use us as a jumping off point. Uh, you want a home for your writing. Uh, you want to collaborate. If you're running another blog, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of some people out there and, uh, you want to do some cross pollination, Let's get that going on. Noah at nopersinium.com. You know, let's just make it happen. Let's just let's just do this thing. Oh, there's so much more to talk to you about. But let's let's focus on the Comic Con that was. Um first we're gonna hear about um and, and the since this is kind of a different thing. So I've got two folks who I know who were down at Comic Con. I was not at Comic Con. I was also trying to get Brian Bishop on the show this week, but uh work prevented him from coming on because we'll get Brian to do sort of an analysis of it. We'll try to have Brian on maybe even next week uh, or, or maybe down the road to kind of give like his, his thoughts from the press world. Um, two folks who were down at Comic-Con, uh, my friend Daphne Mir uh, and also Max Robeson, uh, both of whom are uh, connoisseurs of immersive here in LA. Talk to them separately uh, first, we're going to hear from Daphne, who did the Westworld experience. So Daphne is going to give us kind of a, a walkthrough up to a certain point. I'll tell you like afterwards where we stopped. She also checked out the Mr. Robot ARG. So this is a twofer, uh, as Daphne Mir, uh, who is uh, sort of a, an experience designer by trade, uh, takes us through uh, her run of uh, San Diego Comic-Con's uh, Delos experience. Let's roll the tape. So you have a very distinct hat on for this interview, Daphne. Um, perhaps you could you could tell us how did you get that hat? Where is that hat from? Um, well, this hat came from visiting Westworld. Oh, from visiting Westworld. Oh, so you, you must, you must have, 
uh, you know, here I would make some joke about wherever Westworld is, but that's one of the fun things about the show. We still have no clue we have no idea. whatsoever. Is it on Mars? Is it in Utah? Is it a Dyson sphere? Like um, that mystery will probably never be solved. It's you, probably you, in northern Canada post-global warming. That makes sense. You were at Comic-Con. Yes. And you did the overnight uh, for the Westworld experience, right? I did. I tried um, all three days to get tickets. And the final night, um, I was part of the immense group of people who waited out overnight all afternoon, evening, and into the next day. So before we get into, like, you know, was it worth it to be on the line? Mm-hmm. And you're wearing your hat, so I think maybe maybe it was worth it for you. Um, what what was the experience itself, like, for people who didn't get to, but who probably know the show um, might be the way to frame that? Cool. Um, well, first off, the line itself was to book your spot to travel to Westworld. Um, you were making a reservation with... Um, Dallas representatives, particularly two hosts, um, they and they were sort of that sleek, modern, crisp white suit, nice white dress, hair styled perfectly, very charming, perfect robotic humans, um, and they helped you select a time. They wrote down your names, gave you a card that said where to go and at what time. From there. You waited impatiently <laughs> and <laughs> took a lot of pictures of the card and flipped it over and looked at how shiny it was. And then you ended up going to the semi-secret location, I guess, of where Delos is based. Um, and this is for, quote-unquote, like a Westworld roadshow. The idea is that this isn't Westworld proper. This is a sampling of what Westworld has to offer created and produced by Delos. Um, so you go, you check in with the host. Um, they round you in each group. There is six people per half hour. So the host takes you and your six people up in the elevator um, to the third floor and sort of like walks you to a door that's like branded sleek glass um, as frosted Delos logo. Really nice. Um, and when you walk in, it's, I mean, it's Delos, it's modern, it's um, clean, it's creepily beautiful. <laughs> and so it's, it's the sets, it's like a version of the set from the show. Like, it, yeah, it's yeah. kind of like, a, it, it feels like it's definitely of the world. Yeah. I feel like they really nailed Delos. So is it is it the sort of, boarding area that we got to see in the show and that it was like here's where you you know get to pick out who you want to be in the park is that what the idea is yes it's very much that world um so first off there's like a registration desk and all the hosts creepily know your name without you having to introduce yourself um you go to look at a glass case full of weaponry um you look at some costumes and then you get separated into two groups of three. Um, the host takes you and uh, the two other members of your group um, to quote unquote meet guest services. Mm. And that's sort of really when things take off. Um, 
you wait in a hallway, um, you walk past all like the models of the faces, and you're waiting in this hallway for a little while, and you can hear through the door to um, research and development uh, samurai world, just like swords clanging and stuff, which is pretty excellent. It was a good little <laughs> Easter egg. Uh, we were trying to convince the, co- the host to let us open the door, and <laughs> the host uh, warned us that he would hate for anything to happen to us because it is still in the development (laughs) (laughs) and encouraged us not to. I vaguely regret not trying it, but I figured it'd be locked anyways. So (laughs) you don't, you don't want to break the immersion illusion. No. And at this point I'd already been accused of being a plant by someone in my group because some (laughs) of my questions were too IP accurate. So (laughs) (laughs) it was like being a little bit mindful. Um, so from there you go to, um, uh, have an interview, which is a really awesome one-on-one experience. It's probably one of the highlights, if not my personal highlight of the experience. Mm. Um, I believe I'm in the process of rewatching Westworld, but I believe like when um, they get off the train for the first time, one of the hosts comes up and says, "Like because this is your first time, I'd like to ask you a few questions." Yeah, and it's that sort of thing. Um, the host that is asking the questions in the room, you sort of one-on-one, um, explains that they're psychological profile questions and to relax and answer them comfortably and truthfully, etc. Um, and asks you a series of increasingly creepy, mm-hmm. I guess, questions. Um, before presenting you an analysis of what they've learned about you. Oh boy. Through those questions. So so a little bit of Voight comp test action going on, if you will. It's like, you know, turtles on its back, that whole the whole nine yards, but inverted because like they know you're a person. Yeah. Oh boy. And so then the analysis comes with Um the Um analysis um comes from all of the questions that they've asked you, um, one of which is, if you had to lose one of your fingers, which one would it be? And Oh, my God. Um, I actually know what my answer is. <laughs> which one? Yours. Oh. <laughs> that's, that's excellent. No, um, she, she first asked you to raise your hand, mm-hmm. and I said, which one? And she said, whichever you prefer. So I was looking at my hand, and she asked me to look at each of my fingers and decide if I had to lose one, which one would it be? And I picked it and I showed her and then she hands me a Sharpie and asks me to mark it. Oh my goodness. Which is such a good, are we allowed to curse? Yeah, curse. It's a really good mind fuck. Yeah. That's <laughs> um, excellent. So during the analysis, when she um, articulates back what she learned from the questions and how you answered them, etc., I feel like it was predominantly a cold read. Um, It doesn't seem likely that they were doing a lot of hot reads, but the analysis was surprisingly on point. Oh, wow. Um, It was definitely creepy, and I've heard that from multiple people. So that's really excellent. Yeah, and and 
And the prize at the end of the analysis is... Oh, yes, sorry. Um, is... <laughs> Which is actually where I was leading. The analysis comes with... I mean, it comes we, with... Well, a lot of well stuff, we've comes already with... been foreshadowing it. It comes with the hat. 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 So there's a black hat and a white hat mounted on the wall. And what kind of... What color hat is your hat, Daphne? Well, my co- Well, the hat I'm wearing is white. Oh. But... Look at you. That's not what I expected. Yeah. Um, so I went with a friend and he was de- determined he wanted to be a white hat and I had been waffling back and forth and I was like, okay, I'll go as black because then if there's differences in the experience based off of your hat choice, then we can compare notes after. Ah. Plus I'm me, I'm like pseudo goth. So I'm more likely to wear the black hat again. Yeah. Um, and the host had me look at the hats and she asked me to reach out and grab the white one and try it on and look in the mirror Mm -hmm. and see what I thought um there is a really awesome supposedly super freaky amazing gag with the mirror um it didn't work in my room but I've heard from other people that it's really great um so it's a two-way mirror with um one of the lab techs in the latex suit um, behind the mirror. And so when you're looking in the mirror with the hat, like it, they, their image sort of strobes in between you and them. Oh, weird. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, however, it was still an awesome experience without it working for my room. Um, and so I'm looking at the white hat, and I ask her what happens if I go for the black hat. Um, and she very intensely looks at me and says something along the lines of due to our analysis i think the experience that you're searching for in westworld today should you choose the black hat you would be disappointed in i think that the quest that you are on and the things which you want to get out of your visit today would be best given by choosing the white hat this is this is interesting because like the, I know people went in looking for expecting a white hat and winding up with a black hat, and it almost makes me wonder if part of the design is we're going to reveal something about you you don't know, and thus we're gonna like we're gonna manage your hat choice based on if you're really really eager about one, we're gonna give you the other ones. There's so many different ways to do the sleight of hand here. Let, yeah. me, let me ask you this because because we've had this for a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you you did an overnight. All those other people did the overnight. Was it worth it? Was it worth it, like, you know, kind of knocking yourself out of an evening of, of Comic-Con to, to get this thing? For me, it was definitely worth it. Um, though I'm not going to say that it wasn't without sacrifices. And I think that next time there could be a lot of learnings for everyone involved about right. how to better handle um, the queue situation, the, the location of it, um, sort of expectations and communication. Um, I had tried all three days. Um, I originally was only going to go on Thursday, and first thing I did was get in line for Westworld and didn't make it. Um, and then Friday, um, splurged for a hotel room in San Diego so that way I could get up early and go to get in the Westworld queue. And was like just past the standby cutoff, 
So then it was just sort of like game on come Saturday. So yeah. I was in line by 3.30 p.m. for a 9.30 a.m. reservation slot. And oh. when I got in line, I was group number seven. So there were already people ahead. Wow. It's it's so it's so rough. I mean, one of my friends did uh, did the Hall H for Saturday line this year. Oh, wow. And he was in, he must have got there like, relatively early in the morning on Friday or something like that, and after many hours was told, nope. And I heard they ran out of wristbands. Yeah, and it just like, I mean, I have a whole thing about, about just how overcrowded Comic-Con is, mm-hmm. and it's, it is, just like, yeah. flat out. Um, <laughs> and, and it's one of the reasons why I don't go, but it is encouraging between this and the Blade Runner thing and the Legion thing and like all the stuff that's going on. There's like so much emphasis on these experiences, mm-hmm. um, and it, it bodes well for those of us who are, are um, fans, supporters, enthusiasts, critics, mm-hmm. uh, m- makers of of this sort of work. Yeah, I got some time in on the Mr. Robot ARG, and that was very excellently done. Oh, cool. Were there were there pop ups involved in the ARG or was yes, it, oh. it was um, pop ups as well as partnerships with existing stores and pedicabs and um, I mean I can go into more detail. Oh yeah, well yeah, tell a little bit. Tell we haven't talked too much about about. Cool. So the Mr. Robot ARG was sort of the ideas that takes place after the five nine hack and the financial crisis and the Bank of E has created this new e-coin currency. And so you could go online and register to get your 20 free e-coin by making an account with the Bank of E. But they also had a branch. And if you went to the branch, they would give you a card. And at that branch was sort of the um, rabbit hole for the ARG. Um, Next door, they had the red wheelbarrow barbecue. Um, which they had taken out ads, like bus stop ads around the city for the Red Wheelbarrow Barbecue, as though it's a regular restaurant. Um, uh, The Bank of E had marketing all over the pedicabs and the checkout bikes. Um, So it was definitely very citywide. Most of the ARG puzzles took place within a few blocks of the Bank of E and the Red Wheelbarrow. But with your e-coin, you could go to tons of different, I'd say maybe like a dozen plus, various restaurants, cafes, um, a bagel shop, um, tons of pizza joints, and spend your e-coin to get a free, well, quote, unquote, five e-coin to get a free slice of pizza or, you know, whatever. And so that was cool because... So you got like four free food things for for playing the game. Plus free barbecue from the Red red Wheelbarrow and a milkshake. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And um, you could also spend your e-coin on a Red Wheelbarrow t-shirt, which, of course, I got. So (laughs) that was dope. And then, so, so they partnered with Real businesses they made some fake businesses and then were the the puzzles were they were they instance for like um individuals or like they something that the whole community worked on was this a solo thing or a, or a group game it was predominantly solo or small group like oh, wow. maybe like you and maybe you rope in a couple of friends to sort of hive mind it um but there were a lot of small groups all working on it separately. Right. And they were kind of going through linearly as opposed to, or, or they're taking them on themselves and it didn't, 
it didn't change the whole game. It was more like, you know, fetch quests or something in a in a MMORPG. Yeah, there was a lot of like puzzle deciphering, and then that leads you to the next step, which leads you to the next step, etc. There is always that same problem that you can discover one of the clues too early, right? Um, which is something that I did twice. Um, however, they had a little marker system of three circles, um, three empty circles, and one of them was colored in on each of the major clues to let you know, like, hey, this is clue one, this is clue two, this is clue three. Not bad. So that was actually very nice because when I found number three, I was like, okay, I'm not here yet. Yeah. But I'm glad that I know that, so I'm not trying to. And that's and that's nice and subtle. Like, did, did they tell you that that's what it was? No, or was, it was just there. It was just yeah. there. See, that's that's a nice bit of UI mm-hmm. in in something that is kind of has no actual digital interface or doesn't really have a, a Chrome that you can use. Because that is a problem with this stuff. Is like you just wind up like off track and like, oh, wh- where does this go with this thing? And totally. And it and it at least got a little bit of style, so it doesn't completely break the immersion. You know, like kind of like wavering mm-hmm. there. Sounds really smart. Do you have any idea who put that one together? I don't yet. I've been meaning to look into it. Um, And I know someone else from the immersive group is also looking into it. We'll we'll see if we can find out who's behind. Yeah, uh, I would love to know because they pulled it off very well. Very good. All right. Well, Daphne, thank you for the report from Comic-Con and enjoy (laughs) your hat. Oh, thank you. I will indeed. Just to put a couple of buttons on this piece, one, Daphne uh, found out that Civic Entertainment Group are the people who did the Mr. Robot ARG. I I haven't dug around myself beyond that, so um, sleuths, if you want to, uh, feel free. Uh, The other thing is uh, I was so focused on the hat that we didn't talk about what happened after uh, she got the hat, which is they then go to the Mariposa and uh, and get to drink and interact with some characters there. the, it's uh, that that's that's your little taste of Westworld once you've gone through the onboarding process, and then you're then you're popped back out into San Diego, um, ready to live without limits. Apparently, so um, <laughs> nothing nothing untoward happened. Um, at, at least there's at least there's that. Um, closing magic circles. Uh, it's uh, it's a thing. It's a thing. Um, okay. Uh, next up, um, and, and we'll get around to, you know, my version of a take on all this afterwards. Uh, next up, uh, Max Robeson, who is, uh, he's, he's a man about town. Uh, he's, uh, written about immersive experiences, uh, in, in the past. Uh, he's an artist and, uh, he is a part of the, uh, sudden loneliness gift, uh, you know, uh, community from the from the participant side. So Max and I actually met at Have You Seen Jake uh, finale. Uh, sweet sweet soul, Max. Uh, he, um, he he's gone out of his way in his day uh, to to literally accommodate me. Uh, I'll put that. So I owe Max a great debt uh, and and continue to owe him beers. Uh, so I'm very glad he came on board the show to tell me about something that and you about something that we together did not get to see which was the Blade Runner 2049 activation at Comic-Con. Uh, this was a combo Oculus Johnny Walker uh, movie studio event. Uh, the uh, Yeah, it takes a lot. Um, Max, I think as he mentions, he didn't do the VR part of it. Uh, but from, 
from all we can see, I cannot, you know, I can't actually say anything about the VR because I, I, I haven't dug into it. And I know there's some people I know who work on the VR, so I'm sorry. I, I just, I, it's been, it's been really busy lately. I'm like, I've got like three reviews I got to write. Um, I'm, I'd, I'd love to see that. I'd love to see how it's integrated with this experience because this experience Max is about to describe. Oh my God. Let's get to it. So, Max, I saw that you got to check out the Blade Runner activation at Comic-Con. What was that? So, basically, there were two versions of it. The first version was there. the beginning was the VR setup, and I didn't have an opportunity to do that. But the second version was basically they recreated the set of Blade Runner, the outside Los Angeles 2049 set and it was filled with actors and it was completely immersive and mind-blowing so so what do you, what do you mean like the like the outside so is this is this something because none of us has gotten a chance to see the movie yet but this is sort of like the old downtown los angeles thing in the original blade runner so was it was it that kind of thing like food stalls and it was exactly that it was uh they recreated like the noodle the uh the noodle stand, it was the White Dragon, I believe, noodle stand. And they had, uh, there were like, the, as you walked in, basically, there was a crime scene of one of the spinners, one of the cars crashed out. And immediately I was approached by an LAPD officer who was asking me if I had seen what happened. Oh, wow. And as you continued through that, there was an entire, like a, a rain wall that you walked through. So it looked like it was raining. You stepped into that and it opened up into a giant like marketplace area. Holy moly! That yeah, it was it was amazing. And in the marketplace, there were replica. Or there were there were basically it looked like there were like basically prostitutes walking around, and Whoa. they were trying to like like sell you their services and want like it was. It, their costumes were all completely like made of trash so it like kind of was real there was a guy walking around with bubble wrap jacket um wow. yeah what so so you, you said it was like totally immersive so like i know you from from you know we we first time we met in person was at a um at an immersive show and i know you go see a lot of this stuff um you know, Tell tell those who haven't been to an activation sort of how did how did this thing relate to the kind of work you're used to seeing? So a lot of the stuff I'm used to seeing is pre- it's pretty high end. I've seen a lot of like AAA experiences. Um, I would say that this this clearly had the backing behind it from a studio to where it was real. There it was one of the most immersive things I've ever seen that I, it, it made me, it like blew my mind to be honest. Well, and was it just the set design of it or was it also like the way the performers were coached or the, the set design was amazing, but really like the performers there were really what brought it to life. It, it kind of made me think about like, there's, there's a lot of talent. I don't know where they got those people, but there, there's a lot of talent out there. 
And it was all kind of up to you to figure out what was going on. So you had the option to walk up to whoever you wanted and you can get whatever story you'd like. And that was what I've actually never experienced that in something where it's kind of a, uh, how do you say like it's a, it's more of an open world than it was a like guided experience yeah so, so they're using the sandbox structure to create a city scene out of blade runner for you yes exactly oh that's really so like how long were you allowed to like hang out in there and like what kind of things were you able to do so basically when we were we were in line and we we caught wind that there was that it was sponsored by johnny walker they had uh three shots for you if you walked in i believe it was a it was a 21 and up only uh activation mm-hmm. um, one, would, one would hope although i'm sure somebody found a way or, or, <laughs> well, i know that they were pretty strict like i had i had a hand stamp i wasn't sure about anybody else but uh they and basically they gave you an rfid chip on a, on a card and you walked in and there were scanners on different little activities that you could do. So right when you walk in, to the left, they were scanning people if they were replicants or if they were, like, real people. And there were cops there, so you basically had to scan yourself and it took a little picture of you and you scanned your card and then that was emailed to you. And then at one point there was a... uh, there was like a wall, like a food wall. It looked like it was a vendor wall, you know, like in, in Japan, how they've got like the, the televisions that you can kind of like order food out of and stuff. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. So they had those and you walk up to it and you scan it and basically a shirt falls out and it's, it's your size shirt. So oh my goodness. It was, That's hilarious. Yeah, it was hilarious. So, so you're able to get like booze. Were you able to get the noodles? Was were, yes, were the, noodles? the noodles? The noodles were. Uh, you could just walk up and grab the noodles. They had two different kinds of udon, I believe, and it was cold. So you weren't really like that. Was it was interesting, but it was good. Yeah. Um, cool. You could kind of, and the chef, like I had a long conversation with the chef's son, and then he disappeared, and I wound up talking to the chef, and he was berating his son. So it was like. There were long running stories. Um, there was a guy who was walking around who was freaking out because he thought we were all after him because he owed money to Godfrey. So we spent a good 20, 30 minutes trying to find Godfrey. But ultimately, we they didn't rush us out at all. We could have stayed there for hours if we wanted to. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was insane. What were most people doing? I mean, you're a connoisseur of this stuff, so uh, you know you're you're running on the rabbit holes. But you know, I'm hearing free shots, free T-shirts, some cold noodles. Like, were a lot of people just being like, "I'm gonna get my swag and go to the next thing," or or what was the crowd's reaction? I feel like a lot of people were lingering, like they were kind of taking it in because it was such an amazing experience, and it was really good for everything we do. Seeing people enjoying it that much. Because they were they were immersed in the world as well, so I saw a lot of people walking around talking to the characters, like trying to help. Um, I'm sure there were different cases throughout the day, but for the most part, like the hour that I was in there, I saw a good amount of interaction with people. Oh my goodness, an hour long! See, this this is where it's just going to get the the marketing side of it. it's just going to be spoily because an hour long free experience that comes with booze. And 
actors at the top of their game and a fully professionally realized set. Like how can how can bootstrap theater ever Nobody ever compete? It's in a way it's scary. And I mean, luckily that's that's clearly just a promotional thing. There was no. They weren't going anywhere else with it other than a promote. I don't see that going to be like a road show or anything. Yeah, which is actually like the biggest shame. It's like all the stuff that I'm hearing out of SDCC this time, I could see packing up and being road shows. You know, even if it's just like touring a few big cities as part of a promotional windup for, you know, the fall movie season or something. But there's so many resources put into this stuff and then it kind of you know, walks away. I'm not, I'm not sure if that's going to be entirely true. Like, I think that they're starting to realize just how much of an impact these things have. Um, but there's, there is a layer where it's like, well, the press got to see it and everyone Instagrammed it. And like, that's, that's as good as it gets for us moving on. Um, but there's, there's a hunger out there. And I just feel like every time one of these things pops off and people get excited about it, it just opens more people up to the possibilities. Yeah, that's. I saw a lot of people's like eyes opening up to what it was, but there was snow on the floor in there, in the middle of San Diego. There was snow on the floor, like to make it feel like you were in the middle of like a weird nuclear winter. That's how detailed it was. Oh my god, that's that's amazing. Yeah. And how like, long? How long? How long did you wait to get into it? We they told us we were going to be waiting an hour and a half. I feel like we waited forty five minutes. Oh, not bad. It was not bad at all. And we skipped yeah. the VR thing because the VR thing was double the time. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't, I, I'm a terrible person. I didn't end up doing any VR stuff there. <laughs> it's, it's, it, it's, it's totally fine. Like, I think, I think the fact that they're making a big effort to put the VR stuff in the context of these kinds of experiences, I think, says a lot about where things are going um, just overall. Mm-hmm. Well, Matt. Max, any other notes on it uh, that everyone should know about? Um, I, I really, well, the actors there were amazing. That was one of the biggest takeaways from it. We, we had like real interactions with them where it wasn't like spoiling any part of the movie. It was just, oh, this world actually exists, which like I love seeing. And I like seeing that in more places. Like a lot of, a lot of shows around LA have been doing that. So like that's a plus. And then also the the sandbox thing is something I'd love to see more of anywhere. But that was that was one of the bigger bigger plus sides of that whole experience, I would say. Well, you should check out um, check out Ghost Town at Knotts because that's a sandbox, and it's as silly and ridiculous and as it, as aimed towards kids as it is. They they do like about a. I want to say like a six hour loop or something during, or maybe even eight hour loop during the course of the day, um, telling us a, a long form story, uh, that's totally sandboxy. It's cheesy, but it's sandboxy. Um, like yeah. So g- give it a whirl. I'm okay. Awesome. All right, Max. Well, thank you so much for, for taking the time to tell everybody on the show what the Blade Runner thing was about. Cause I was so curious. Oh, and if you want to see more pictures from it, I believe the hashtag is welcome to 2049. And there were tons, like tons of people were Instagramming it. So that's, that's a good way to check out what was there. Fantastic. All right, Max, thanks for the field report. And hopefully we'll be talking to you again soon. Of course. Now have a good one. Once again, I want to thank Maxwell Robeson for being our uh, eyes in 2049 down at San Diego. Um, 
this this uh this whole trend uh it's been going on for a few years now the activations um the activations that's a marketing term uh you you it's it's kind of like content you run around the back end of things long enough and you stop speaking like a human being and start speaking like an algorithm um but the and it's funny because it's like well what are you activating um you know are you activating your megazord uh are you activating your captain power armor that's a that's now an obscure reference um you're you're activating the brand you're activating the fans um you're getting people excited about something um and, you know, uh, alternate reality games, like the original alternate reality games, they were marketing campaigns for movies, uh, for uh, Spielberg's AI. And there's plenty of people who feel like the ARG that was made for that, uh, The Beast, um, the Cloud Makers, uh, was, uh, was better than the movie. Um, um, I'm one of those weird people who happen to like the movie. Um, so I think they're both like really cool, but, um, <laughs> there's definitely a lot of that out there in the world, all this love and passion and, and depth of lore that's put in. And what's interesting about these pop-ups that have happened at San Diego this year is that they are little, I feel like vertical slices from a video game. That's when you take like, um, like three or four of the best sequences out of a very long game and you stack them up like a Jenga tower and let players plow through that at a, uh, at a video game show like E3 or, or, um, um, the Penny Arcade Expo, um, and 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 you get everyone really excited about it. And then they go, you know, get the actual game, and they're like, "No, this is this isn't what I played. This is this this is like long and boring." Um, which which is not to say that Blade Runner twenty forty nine is long and boring, and definitely not to say that Westworld is long and boring because oh my god, Westworld! I own the soundtrack on vinyl. I'm like an idiot for it. I have this hoodie. <laughs> I have a Westworld hoodie, and I like wear it all the time. So I'm I'm super jealous of that hat Daphne has, but it doesn't fit my head, so she still owns it. Um, but the um the the point here, uh, yeah, there's a point. There's also water running in the background, and it's driving me insane. Uh, sorry about that. I have no control over it. Um, the uh, the point is that there is increasingly a clear demand for interacting with our fictive worlds and you know the at the heart of it at the heart of it the point is that brand activations immersive experiences they they provide something for marketers that um that a simple video uh, posted online or a uh, you know a, you know a trailer or a, a piece, even a piece of vr None of these can compete with sort of the organic splash of a whole bunch of people on Instagram just just photographing the hell out of stuff that's going on and then excitedly coming back to talk about this experience they had. And as soon as we get into the mode of, okay, you're designing experiences for people to share with their friends, well, then we're in experience design, obviously. I just said those words. Um... And wow, it's like we're being we're being assaulted by by we're being hosed down right now. That's actually is what's happening. Um, 
I have, I have no control over this. I'm sorry. Um, the show, this, this, what we're experiencing right now is also something that kind of like wrecked an episode with any lesser, which we're going to like re-record, which is just sometimes, sometimes there's no fighting it. Um, and it breaks up the stream of consciousness. I, I, you know, there's, there's a quality of being an immersive fan, which is, uh, and a connoisseur of this stuff, which is that you're, you're highly observant. And the reason why these things are awesome to us is that we're, um, we're tuned in a certain way to take a lot of information out of our environments and start creating narratives out of that. Uh, but it also means that if you're sitting somewhere and trying to focus on a particular task at hand and something massive comes through, you pick up on it. It's kind of like there's that video of like... Uh, like all this crazy stuff's happening, uh, and then there's there's what like a dinosaur guy in a dinosaur costume walks by, and like most people like don't notice the dinosaur costume because of all the other stuff that's happening. Um, it's just like a sleight of mind thing. Yeah, if you're if you're tuned on immersive, you will notice that dinosaur guy because you're looking for the things that don't belong. And right now, someone blasting plants with um, with with a giant water hose is a thing that doesn't belong. Doesn't belong in this podcast. Let's get back to the point. The point is we're going to see more of these activations because, well, look at what's going on with Star Wars land. Um, in a sense, Star Wars land is a giant permanent activation of that brand. One that you could argue uh, doesn't even need to exist. I say this as a massive Star Wars fan. Uh, I say this as someone who spent the entire year growing his beard and hair in order to look like uh, Jedi Master Luke Skywalker. So you know that I want it to exist, so do not misinterpret my words. What I'm saying is that they don't need to make it to keep making a gajillion dollars off of Star Wars. They are responding to a desire, a deep-seated desire to answer the call of, I want to go there, as Tina Fey would put it. Um, it's, it's not enough for us to watch things on our screens anymore. Uh, we know that that's why the show is called no proscenium. Um, that's part of our DNA. What's fascinating and amazing to watch is as we see San Diego unfold and we see how many people were incredibly excited, how people stayed out overnight. Um, a birdie told me that, you know, this was the first offsite that people camped out for. That's, that's not something I have verified, but I, I can believe it. I can believe it. I can dig it. Um, this, this isn't even, a, isn't a sea change. This is just like, it's what we've all been looking for. And companies understand that now. And so there's going to be more work. Um, and some of it's going to be half-assed and some of it's going to be five-assed and, um, hopefully there's more five-assed work than half-assed work. Yes. That, that was an old South Park reference. Um, and, and on that note, there's the range because, you know, we're in this moment right now where there is a range of work from, independent companies popping up very small intimate work all the way up to established uh, production companies uh, doing things on big stages in New York and getting attention from variety all the way to these activations at the conventions which are pulling on not just the same techniques but the same performers like 
I know people who are in the Legion activation, uh, which is one of the ones we didn't talk about. And, you know, they're people who work with some of the biggest companies uh, in immersive theater. Uh, I know people who uh, met people who worked on the Westworld thing. And indeed, you know, their DNA, their performance DNA can trace back to the big name shows in New York. This is just a fact. There are people from the LA scene who were recruited into these productions as well. This is something that's happening. There's a there's an activation coming up for HBO's Big Little Lies uh, that's going to be part of their um, their um, uh, DVD release party or season two kickoff. I can't remember which one at the moment. Got the press release sitting around. Um, and I, I know that's being designed by someone locally in Los Angeles. The, the change has come. We are part of it. It is here. Um, the folks who are showing up and asking questions about what we do are are people you'd, you'd recognize and not from your neighborhood, right? You'd recognize them from your television. Um, I, I say that kind of as a tease because some things I know, you know, eh, I sign NDAs too. Bah, boo. I know. I know. I just don't ask me to broadcast it. Um, ask me when you corner me somewhere. And one of the places you can corner me um, this, this is, this next bit's fun. Um, so for a couple of years now, we've had this ad hoc group here in Los Angeles, uh, which I always call the brain trust. And I think I may have mentioned it in passing on the show a couple of times. And I, I don't do it as a tease of like, ah, you can't come. Um, I, I do this to let you know that we're, we're consciously trying to move the discussion forward. Um, amongst the creators. And so we've, I've been doing this thing where we gathered up the creators to kind of let them hash out what issues matter to them. And out of that work, you know, we've, we've got like a permit team that's been working on stuff uh, that's kind of evolved out of those meetings. And we've, we have folks working on a couple of other, you know, aspects of this stuff. But increasingly in the past couple of months, and I started the year off thinking that we were going to do this, um, but in the past couple of months, it's become very clear that what has been an ad hoc group needs to evolve into something else, needs to evolve into something more. And we had a meeting this week. And at that meeting, I pitched out the idea of a, a league. Um, the exact shape of it, we will determine internally. Um, but... We have a name for it. It is the League of Experiential and Immersive Artists, which if you knock out a couple of unnecessary words and bring down it into an acronym, um, the acronym is LEA. And maybe I reverse engineered the name. <laughs> maybe I did. Uh, and by maybe, I mean I did. Um, Leia is going to be our kind of professional membership uh, services resource organization for people who create immersive experiences, whether that's theater or um, uh, virtual reality or these kind of experiential art activations. Um, 
we are based in Los Angeles. As of now, we definitely have our allies and are open to folks spinning up once we kind of get our heads together in other locations. We're talking actively with some other, you know, rather large organizations. I, I, I don't tell you this now as, as like a, a tease necessarily, but as a way of holding myself accountable to keep this going. Um, we're going to, you know, how one becomes a member that's one of the big things that uh we're dealing with um probably you get sprayed down with a a hose because that seems to be our theme right now hi neighbor yeah water all the plants with a hundred gallons of water um you how you become part of it um what does it mean how do you maintain your membership etc cetera, etc cetera. all of that is oh now they've turned it off great all of that's something that we're working out um together internally. Uh, it is aimed primarily at people who make. Um, so um, f- for for fans, for enthusiasts, for members of the press, uh, there there will be a, a, a line of communication. There will be, uh, there may even at some point be kind of the way that one thing we talk about is, you know, the Magic Castle has magician members and then like non-magician members. So that's that's a possible future for us. Um, but right now, uh, we're letting the creators determine what they want it most to be and how it's best going to serve them. And we had, you know, probably like 60 people at the meeting this week. Uh, we're going to get together again in August. Uh, we will probably start having town halls. That's definitely going to be a way that folks who are, you know, on the other side of the of the veil uh, will be able to interact. Town halls and mixers that are going to kind of bring both sides of the community together because it is integral that the audience for this work has a voice in how the work unfolds. That's just, this is how it is. That's how the work works, is a constant feedback loop. With that in mind, we also wanna create some systems for that. And we know that there is a, a lot of talk that happens in, in, in dark corners, and sometimes you do not want the creators to be around for that. So, you know, that's also all well and good. I was talking with the guys up at the Raskeller, and they had done uh, kind of a book club around screenshots, fear is what we learned here. And then later on, they had a talk back with them, but they were separate events. And the the book club that they had, where the creators weren't at, they were able to kind of get, you know, hash things out and figure out what they really wanted to talk about with the creators. Uh, that's fantastic. And believe you me, when when we get together, when Leia gets together and I start talking about things with, with the folks, and we're, we're doing that this week, we're going to look at structures like that and we're going to look at how to create spaces for the community to have sort of the same protected zone for feedback and discussion that the creators have. And it is a conscious choice and a, a space where we can all get together and hash these things out. Um, so yeah, we're moving forward. We're everywhere. And we have a dorky name that I'm super proud of as a full-on nerd. All right. Well, thank you for enduring the hose with me. We'll remember this as the hose episode. Yeah. 
we lived a thing. We lived a thing together. It was, of course, I'm not going to say the E word, but you know what I'm trying to say. All right. Music for this episode, as always, is by Chris Porter of the Speakeasy Society. Thank you, Chris. Hope you're having a good day at work. Our sustaining backer is Ross Sigworth of the Rathskeller Club in San Francisco. I'm going to start saying it that way, Ross, because that's how you introduce yourself this time out. He was at the top of the show. You can find everything we do at nopersinium.com, including this week's news updates in the form of everything immersive this week, which will be up sometime today. Um, You will also uh, be able to find that community at everythingimmersive.com. It redirects to the Facebook group, which has over 1,500 members now, and we just keep growing. If you want to jump on board this screaming crazy train financially, uh, no, no uh, patreon.com slash no proscenium. If you would like to write for us, uh, Noah at no proscenium.com. If you are a creator who's interested in what we're doing with Leia, also Noah at no proscenium.com. And indeed, part of the point of Leia is so that uh, I am I am no longer the the sole arbiter of this stuff. Uh, I should probably point that out. That's that's the big thing. Um, one because I can't do it by myself anymore. Two because um, I'm I'm no longer completely comfortable uh treating this like an extension of my rolodex haven't been for some time um i want i want people really buying in so if you're a creator looking to get involved with leia noah at noproscenium.com just put leia l-e-i-a in the header and i'll know how to file it that's it for now um next week got some stuff on the fire but cannot announce yet because we haven't recorded it yet and that's the way it rolls um, there's, oh my God, <laughs> Midsummer Scream is this weekend, uh, in Long Beach. I like, I, I, sh- I need to put it in my notes. I always forget. And it's gonna be too late. Uh, I'm hosting a panel, 4.30 on Sunday. We've got, uh, folks from Unbrown Productions, Shine On Collective, uh, the Overlook Film Festival and Zombie Joes are all going to be there to talk about immersive horror theater. I'm going to be hosting. We're up against the Knots panel. So like, you know, there's going to be 12 of us. It's going to be awesome. And if everybody knows everybody, I'm going to turn it into cocktail hour, uh, which I'll get in trouble for. But, um, you know, uh, you know, uh, but just, just, uh, I can't tell you to sneak a flask. I don't think I'm allowed to say that. I ain't going to be mad at you. All right. I just got in trouble. Told you I was going to get in trouble. I blame the fresh coffee beans. Until next time, I'll see you at the show. Bye.